0: So these algorithms I see are a great, or not a great, but they're a very innovative and very powerful tool in the hands of artists, human beings, to create a next generation, envisioning what a next generation of art, just like a paintbrush, just like a chisel, these are a new tool for creating art, just like when now cinema is art, right? But before the advent of the machine, the cameras and the projectors and everything, we didn't have that art form. We have a new art form with computers, right? It's a new art form. But like you were saying, we as the artist, right, us as an artist, it's up to us how we use them, and then it's also up to society how it interprets what we create and what that means to society itself.
1: Well, hello, artpreneur. This is Miriam Shulman, your curator of inspiration, and you're listening to episode number 251 of the Inspiration Please podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here. Once again, we're talking all about artificial intelligence, but this time with an eye to the future of how it affects the art world. But before we bring on today's guest, I wanted to make sure that you knew I'm putting a lot of your favorite episodes over on YouTube, plus some new ones, not interviews, but new videos. So if you rather watch than listen, you can find the inspiration place over on my YouTube channel. Plus, each episode has bonus material. For example, you'll get to see images of the art we're talking about that complements whatever it is that I'm discussing with my guests. And now on with the show. Today's guest is the chairman and CEO of Founderspace, a global innovation hub for entrepreneurs, corporations, and investors. He's also a venture investor, founder of three venture-backed and two bootstrapped startups, and author of several award-winning books, including Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Forces. While in Hollywood, he worked as a TV development executive at Fry's Entertainment, which produced over a hundred TV shows acquired by MGM. And he went on to pioneer interactive television with his venture-funded startup, Spider Dance, which produced interactive TV shows for major networks. In Silicon Valley, he founded several more startups in the areas of games and entertainment He went on to launch Founderspace with the mission to educate and accelerate entrepreneurs. Founderspace has become one of the top startup hubs in the world. Our guest has trained hundreds of startup founders and corporate executives in the art of innovation and provided consulting to many of the world's largest corporations. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Steve Hoffman. Well, hey there, Steve. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey there, Miriam. It's fantastic to be here.
1: Well, I'm so excited to have you. I do have your book, Five Forces. And we were saying right before you hit record, we had done a connection call about what you could possibly talk about with the audience. And he said, well, maybe AI. And I go, well, maybe. And since we spoke, suddenly it's like that's all anyone wants to talk about. Would you agree with that?
0: Absolutely, everybody's talking about art and AI, and this is something I've been saying for years when I was saying it early on, and I wrote a book about it, the Five Forces, which is pretty recent, but ahead of of the explosion, which just happened with Dolly and you know open AI and everything people are doing, but I have been a long believer because I understand technology I'm an engineer by training, like yourself I'm an engineer, and I understood early on that Machines could create art.
1: Mm. And
0: this is uh, both a philosophical discussion we can have, as well as a technical discussion and a social one. You know, what is art? But I could see early examples, especially in the areas, now we're seeing it in the visual arts, but early on, we could see it in the areas of music. This has been around a while, where literally computers could create music that Mm. were indistinguishable to the listener from human created. Music And they could do it through algorithms. And if something is indistinguishable, does that mean it's art or is it not art, right? If it was created by a machine or created by a human. But honestly, to the listener, which, you know, and they don't know, it's art, right? Because they are just experiencing the music or the visuals for what they are. When they find out it's a machine, does it change how they view the art? Of course. But What we're seeing now in society is absolutely amazing. It's going to fundamentally transform what art is, how we create art, what entertainment is, you know, our entire society and communication.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of tools that I've been looking at. Some of them I've been very impressed with. Some of them not so impressed. Can I be controversial and talk about the one I'm not so impressed with? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So there's this app and a lot of artists have been playing with it. It's Sensa AI. So that's the one for those who aren't sure. If you've been on Instagram for any length of time in the end of 2022, People were sharing all kinds of selfies with that app. To me, they all look the same. I was like, oh, it's another sense of selfie. Even before I would read the description, usually oh, yeah. they had you can purple spot hair. Them yes. A million miles away. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, so that's not impressive to me. You know, Like it's like, okay. And then the other thing that I saw that was similar was Pantone for their color of the year. So again, for those who don't know, every year Pantone kind of does. A color prediction, and it's not so much a crystal ball thing, they're kind of looking at the zeitgeist and seeing what is starting to trend, and they pick up on what's already becoming a trend, and what you'll see more of a trend. And they said, the color of 2023 is magenta, and they're doing a play on words with the magenta-verse. And so, are you familiar with what it is I'm talking about? So, Pantone actually used artificial intelligence to generate what they thought this magenta verse looked like and again it was all all purple like i said purple hair on <laughs> the sensa and it's-, it's all purple everything's purple well of course the color is magenta but to me it did look very much like that same kind of sensa computer generated art so oh yeah
0: okay. a lot of this is just trendy stuff you know everybody wants. you know it's a meme right so that uh, people are hopping on The bandwagon, they see this tool, they're making a picture of themselves, they're sharing it out there. Why? Because everybody's doing it. And a lot of people, let's face it, there's good art created by humans, and then there's bad art created by people. A lot of people create bad art. Machines, the same thing. And honestly, art is, you know, if you studied art history, I know that art isn't just about what you see, art is about what it means to society art is about it's about something new it's about us reflecting upon society discovering ourselves both at an individual level and at a cultural level so these things aren't really art right <laughs> they're right. not really art but they are a part of society and they are changing how we communicate like yeah. when we when people are jumping on lensa and they're making these pictures of themselves even though they all start to look the same if you've seen enough of them It's still a new way of communicating, a way that we didn't do before. And in that sense, it's interesting in the sense of actually, is it going to be transformative art that gets you to look at the world in a different way? Probably not.
1: Yeah. So I don't find it threatening to me as an artist. And one of the things that I found particularly interesting is, is when now we talk about the other hot Tool, which is OpenAI or Chat GPT. And this is an artificial intelligence tool where Google is completely freaked out about this. They are on red alert, as they should be. So again, for people who may not know what we're talking about, Steve does, but Steve, just so you know, I always have my listener right with us at the table. Yes. And I'm always taking care of him and her. Okay. So uh, it's like the multi-eyed creature who is with us. All right. So Basically, if you wanted to search something on Google, and I'm going to give an example of something that came up last night in my artist incubator coaching program, one of the artists wanted to know, where can I buy royalty-free music? I says, mm-hmm. well, let's ask Hal. So I call it Hal because that's the computer in 2001, a space well, odyssey. absolutely. Right, okay. So let's ask Hal. So the thing is, when you go into Google and you say royalty-free music sites, it's going to give you first a list of ads, links to their sponsored posts, and then it'll give you a list of sites that might mention what it is you're looking for. But you still have to click on each thing and find out what it is and if it's actually relevant. Did I say that right? Relevant. 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 <laughs> okay. So when you ask the OpenAI or ChatGPT, or as I'm going to say, Hal, when you ask Hal, it'll say, here are the six sites and some of them are subscription-based. I said, oh, thank you for that. Which ones are not subscription-based? And then it tells me. So it's like, saves me hundreds of hours, like whatever the procrastinate learning rabbit hole I would have gone down in the past to click on all these links It just tells me. So Google is completely freaked out. They have a red alert on this because this technology is really going to hurt their business. Yeah. So it's
0: interesting. So chat GTP is based on their GTP three algorithm set, and it's a deep learning algorithm that's been trained on a lot of data. They're coming out with GTP four now. So they're going to have a more advanced one that will blow this away. So yes, Google should be worried. Google has its own AI. They're working on their own thing. They haven't released it to the public, honestly. And Google says this, I believe them, actually, because it can be abused in a lot of ways. Yeah. So we are seeing that these chat algorithms, yes, they could do search. But one thing you have to recognize is I did some searches on there and it didn't do a good job. So you pointed out one where it did a good job. There's others where this OpenAI GPT, which is a horrible name, so hard to...
1: Yeah, why why <laughs> is it called that? Do you know?
0: GPT stands for it's a technical term about what they're doing. And that's just what they because they're engineers. Let's face it. So they in other words, get, it's like NFT. An come like up with you, a, a,
1: you can explain to someone what NFT stands for and it still doesn't help them. You know, it doesn't like, help me. It's just
0: a technical term, GPT. Okay. But the point is. I did a search and I asked it, you know, what are the top 20 venture capital firms in Silicon Valley? I was just curious what it would say. And it said, I cannot give you this data. Now, I don't know why it just couldn't do it. And I asked it a couple other specific things like that, and it couldn't give me the data. Now, the data is, I think it's roughly three years old that they trained it on. So it's not even current, whereas Google is literally updating their Database. When you do a Google search, you know every day it's being updated. Wow! So there's a difference here. Each one of these, Google is worried, but not. I think the press made a bigger deal out of it than it is. Google could roll this out tomorrow okay. if they wanted to. All they right. could roll it out tomorrow. They're actually concerned because, and they rightly are concerned. OpenAI doesn't care. They, their policy is we're just going to shove it out there and see what happens. Google, because they're a bigger company, and they could get a lot of pushback. They know that these tools are extremely powerful. So you can literally get the AI to write stuff for you. Yeah. You can get it to write fake news for you. You can get it to do. Now they have policies against this and they'll try to block it, but you can, you know, human beings are smart. Right? We're, we're, we can figure out how to use the tool to get it to do quite dangerous things to society. It allows you. So there's a good and a bad with all technology. We've seen this throughout history, right? Computers, the atomic energy, everything else. There's good and there's bad to it. So there's very interesting, amazing things you can do with AI right now and very dangerous things about disinformation and all this stuff. And these algorithms are biased too. They are only as good as their data and the data they're they're ingesting right now. It's biased just like society is biased, right? So it has racial biases. It has biases about religion, biases about everything that we have biases about in society. Education, wealth, status, all these different things are baked into this AI that you're using. Mm -hmm. So the answers it's going to give you back are answers that might not be Mm -hmm. the right answers in terms of a direction we want to take society with the use of these AIs. Now, putting that aside, these algorithms do amazing things. Not only can they answer questions like you asked, they can be pretty creative. So I asked the algorithm to write me a love poem, and it wrote me a love poem. It wasn't a great love poem, but it's pretty amazing that the algorithm could do this. It can write a very, very short story. It can't write it that long. Usually, in a way, they're limiting what people can do. They don't want people they have limits on their own server capacities, you know, their processing power and everything. So they don't allow you to write too much. And the algorithms, honestly, I don't know if they could write a long short story, but they can write a super short story that's really fun to read. But again, I've written, I'm not just an engineer like you, I'm a creative guy too. That's why I went into entertainment. I went to film school for grad school and I'm, so, I was trying to get it to write really good short stories. And I spent hours and hours and hours. And I will tell you, all the short stories started to sound the same.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so, there's so many lo- things. Like, I want to, I want to interrupt you so badly. Yeah. Okay. So, to, first of all, to bring it back to our yeah. original conversation and keep it really yeah. cohesive about the art yeah. thing, what I had learned early on about the chat GPT is it really can't give you opinions. Like, I think the example I read is you, you can like, which is better hot dogs or hamburgers or they it can't do that and when you're asking what is art art changes the way good art changes the way we think and that starts with having an opinion about something so there there's that that part that's missing
0: Art without opinions is just a pretty picture, right? Exactly.
1: (laughs) Then you have, like, that's why they all look the same with the purple hair and the purple universe. It's like, there's no opinion there.
0: This is where the question of can it create art or can't it is really important because what art is, it's a dialogue. Art is a dialogue with society. Right, it's it's reflecting society. It's saying, "Hey, look at this! Look at this! A different way." I have an opinion. This is how the I see the world. I'm challenging you to see the world in a different way. That's what great art is. Throughout history, great art, we know with the advent of modernism and everything, it's not about how well you can paint or how you know well you can make a sculpture. It's about what your sculpture is saying to society at this point in history. Yeah, do these algorithms do that? Honestly. They don't do that, right? However, we could take them and do that ourselves with them. So these algorithms I see are a great, or not a great, but they're a very innovative and very powerful tool tool in the hands of artists, human beings, to create a next generation, envisioning what a next generation of art, just like a paintbrush, just like a chisel, these are a new tool for creating art, just like when now cinema is art, right? But before the advent of the machine, the cameras and the projectors and everything, we didn't have that art form. We have a new art form with computers, right? It's a new art form. But like you were saying, we as the artist, right, us as an artist, It's up to us how we use them. And then it's also up to society, how it interprets what we create and what that means to society itself.
1: Yes, absolutely. And the way I've been using ChatGPT, it's kind of like taking a photograph. Like, you know, the photograph isn't art until the photographer makes it art.
0: Yes. And, you know, this is why we don't look at a single piece of artwork from an artist, right? If you just look at one sculpture or one painting, it doesn't tell you what the artist is saying. It's its like a single frame of a movie, right? Yes. We have to look at the artist's body of work. And these algorithms are very good at creating single—they single things, but it's up to us how we use them to create a body of work with these new tools that actually says what we want to say over time and changes the nature of art, the nature of society, the nature of philosophy, and who we think we are.
1: I love that. Yeah. So, one of the things, though, we said it has trouble coming up with opinions. Also, I can't get it to be funny.
0: Uh, yeah, so I tried different <laughs> it was voices. Like, can you
1: even just like get, tell me a joke? It was like it was really struggled. Like, could you, do you have any New Year's humor joke? It, it was
0: bad. Oh yeah, I asked it to tell jokes too, and the jokes are bad.
1: <laughs> not <laughs> like not funny. even like dad jokes. I mean, it was like
0: really. But th- all these things will get better. So there will be a point where these algorithms will make you really have belly laughs. There will be a point where these algorithms write actually, you know, pretty amazing poetry. Because what they're doing is what, and this is what I want artists to understand. Whether it's we're talking about chat GPT, which is all text, right? And then there's by the same company OpenAI, there's Doll E. See that one I don't
1: know about. So tell us about that one. Yeah.
0: So Dolly is really cool, especially if you're a visual artist. So Dolly, what it does, it generates images. It generates images and it can create paintings. It can create all sorts of cool, you know, visual images, 3D art images. And it does this by literally looking at millions and millions of images and then taking text input and Combining these images in different ways to create stuff. So I asked it the other day to create me something with Einstein. I wanted a picture with Einstein and, you know, his ideas and discovery. And it came up with something pretty cool. Did it come up with exactly what I wanted? No, (laughs) because, you know, there are too many possibilities out there. And just by typing in text, it's really hard to get something exact. However, there are forums online right now where people are exchanging what they call prompts. And prompts are literally the text that you input to this AI. All of this is done by inputting text. So chat GTP, you're inputting text. Even on the visual one, Dolly, which is named after the artist Dolly. But in Dolly, when you're inputting text, it's taking these texts and then it's searching through its huge database of images and combining them in different ways to give you some output. If you have specific prompts that trigger certain styles of art, certain other images that prompts that reference other artists or other images in the past, then you can get much higher quality images and images that are much more visually appealing, as well as closer to what you would imagine in your head, which is what you're trying to get out of the machine. And I'll add one more thing. The really interesting thing about Dolly, of creating these AI-generated images, is that it not only does it from text, but it can also do it from other images. So you can literally upload images and it will combine these images and create new images out of whatever you upload. So you, Miriam, could upload a bunch of digital images of your paintings and have it create a new Miriam style painting that you could say, wow, here's here's an art. That is
1: cool. Like I can upload my watercolor
0: portraits
1: and upload a picture of me. and say, Okay, now paint me in my own style.
0: Exactly, and that's where that's it gets cool. It gets cool, right? Yeah. But so does. can anybody else who has your pictures? <laughs> so, like, literally, yes. it's Not just you. You know, who has ownership over this? We have all these intellectual. Well, this, property okay, issues. this is
1: the elephant this, in the room. Is the yes. IP question? Is like somebody can take my images without my permission and do that, right?
0: Yeah. So then they create a totally new image, right? They create a new Miriam image in the Miriam style of art your watercolors look just like or close enough to one of your watercolors that the average person wouldn't even know it wasn't you. But do they own it? Do you own it? Does the company OpenAI own it? Is it public domain? Who owns these things? We haven't resolved, the courts have not resolved this. There is actually no answer for this. And it's going to be very contentious because you can imagine with your own art or any of your listeners out there with their art, if somebody starts to Mass produce art in their style and maybe sell it as yeah. NFTs or however they want to sell it. Prints of it, you know, high quality prints. Whose intellectual property is that?
1: Right. Like make a painting in Andy Warhol style. I mean, does Andy Warhol Foundation. Do they get a cut if I sell it? I, I don't know.
0: And people, people are doing that right now. I don't now. think so you, you can could...
1: copyright a style. Like if I were to go paint something in the style of without a computer, I think I'm allowed to do that. I need to discuss this with with uh yeah, and so this an is one of the reasons Google lawyer.
0: hasn't re- released this to the public mm. because Google has a lot more at stake to lose than yeah. an, a startup like OpenAI which is just focused on doing this. To the OpenAI their whole business is this. Google has a much broader business and it's a much bigger company. So you ask like why isn't Google doing this when they could do this because they have AI just as sophisticated. It's because there are all these unresolved issues that uh, could be quite costly (laughs) and lawsuits and all these different things. We don't know uh, as a society, what we'll accept. We don't know how to define ownership of these AI generated images that are derivatives of other images that have been uploaded and people's faces too. Like there, you can upload a person's face and create new faces that are partially based on your own face. Like who owns that new character, right? Right. Do you get royalties from it? You know, what, I write about this in my book, The Five Forces, this technology, and I go further in the book. Like, so I go way out into the future. Like, will films be created this way? Like, you know, actors, will they be licensing out their personalities and their faces? You know, when we design a room with a set designer who, you know, and the furniture is based on furniture designs that people did and wallpapers, who owns this? How does society treat it? Are we going to actually curb creativity by becoming too focused on the legalities of this? You know, there's benefits to both. We've seen, and I just want to say, this is a really important question that we all need to consider. All of us could say, especially any of those who are creative and artists, and I consider myself both a technical guy, but also creative like yourself. My mom was an artist. I'm totally into the arts. Like I grew up with art. I thought I would become an artist. And I did, I made games and I did all the animations for those. So I'm really into this from the artist perspective, also into it from a technical and business perspective, kind of combining those. And we, as a society, we haven't figured out what to do with this. This mm. technology is so powerful and so transformative that literally we've seen on the web that by not restricting things, by allowing people to share images, you know, on social networks and all these different ways and share content on YouTube, we allowed a creativity explosion, right? An explosion of new ways for people to create. If we curb this AI and say, no, if anything derived from something else, you're going to have to pay a royalty and we're going to have to track it or we're going to have to block it, then all of a sudden, all these tools will go away (laughs) like they won't be able to exist. And really, as humanity, I don't think we can turn our back on this technology because the technology has a lot of potential for really doing good and also taking us to a new level of discovery. Like I said, it's a tool. We want people to be able to use these tools because we don't know what amazing things we'll be able to create with them until we are allowed to try except I'm so worried about
1: the children,
0: the children, <laughs> the children. so.
1: They had caught my attention with ChatGPT because I wasn't really paying attention. There was yes. an article in the New York Times, and it was basically—I think it was the Times. It might have been the Journal. I don't remember. But basically, saying how they used it to write a paper <laughs>
0: with oh, it—an it. essay, a yes. school essay. Yeah. And, yeah so. Yeah.
1: What caught my attention, though, was not that ability. It was like, that was kind of like, okay, yeah. I get that. Yeah. What impressed me, though, was that the paper was late, and the journalist had said that I had written an apology letter using chat GPT. Yes, to- you could do this. Right. So that was what had got my attention, was like, oh, all those w- weird customer service things that we're always getting. And then that's what led me They're down really- the rabbit hole. Okay, what else can I do with this? I was just amazed, like it could help me with these nuanced things.
0: It's insane. See, even the news you're reading now, a lot of the news online about weather and finance especially is written by AI and you don't know it. Like you have no idea. You're written on services like Spotify and things like that. They're actually, so they don't have to pay royalties. They are generating AI music and actually putting it out there. You may be listening to some of this that is actually uh, AI generated.
1: I am you, listening to it. You know why? Because I, I subscribe to the service called Focus at Will and it all sounds like computer generated.
0: Yes, because it. they don't have to pay royalties <laughs> no, to so any it's human like, being.
1: And there's different modes and one of them is the classical mode. And my yes. daughter, who is a classically trained cellist, like she went to conserve, like the real deal, went to a conservatory. And she's like, well, it sounds familiar, but I can't tell what it is. And I was like, "I said, art. It's artificial intelligence.
0: It's AI. So we will be seeing this in the background. And you're worried about the children.
1: I'm worried about kids not developing the skills they need to use this properly as a tool.
0: So I want to take you back in time, Miriam. Okay. You know, remember when we were kids and everybody was worried about the calculator? Like, kids won't learn math. There's calculators out well, there. They, they you know? don't. don't and <laughs> hey,
1: they don't never... know. And they don't know how to spell either. And penmanship, forget that. Like, I, yeah, I, I was like, I that. That.
0: But honestly, the kids will get by. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the kid. Right. You know, this is it. Human beings will learn what they need to learn to function and get ahead in society you know, the ones who are given a a good parenting and good, you know, education, they will learn what they need to learn and what they don't need to learn, they don't care, right? And honestly, and if they need to learn it at some future time, they'll learn it. We don't have to worry about that. This is maybe what we have to worry about. We have more, we have to worry worry about it's cheating. Yes, yes. Because kids are smart. (laughs) If they can get an AI to write their essay, why not? Right. Then they don't have right. to write their essay. They don't have to stay up late and write their essay. Who, who wants to write an essay? If they can get an AI to get them into college, help, you know, tell them what they need to put down in their application and everything they need, they'll do it. So everybody is going to use these tools however they can. And the smarter they are, these kids are, the more they're going to actually use these tools, That's right. right? The, the, That's the true. smarter kids okay. are going to be the first ones to jump on these, figure out how to tweak them and use them to their, their maximum benefit.
1: Just like you and I are doing right now, right?
0: <laughs> with, with all these tools. You could call it cheating, but we all cheat, right? Yeah. society using technology and innovate every time you make an innovation, it's cheating, right? <laughs> because you're doing right. things not the hard way. You're using technology to do it the short way and often do it better than people who have spent a lot of time doing it the old way. So everybody is going to be cheating with this technology, but cheating is actually how we learn and grow and uh, how we understand to how business is done, right? Every business wants to get ahead of its competitors. So they're going to figure out how you were in hedge funds, you know, you, you know, these hedge funds started using AI very early on, and big data to actually cheat the stock market, get ahead of, get, be, that's uh, why they hired
1: it. me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, out of MIT, I, was, I was in an AI lab. This is the dirty secret. So I was in like a, a very, like, this was infancy AI knowledge based yeah. expert systems. I was so bored. I was like, there's no way this is going to help the world. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, where's the money? <laughs> right, you where's know? the money? I know. We'll just go to Wall wait. Street. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Yeah. Where where were we going with that? Anyway, this has been such an important conversation, Steve. Thank you so much for taking the time. I want to tell my listeners, you want to go deeper, The Five Forces That Change Everything. It's an excellent book. I have it. And his other books, Surviving a Startup, Make Elephants Fly, all published by three of the top tier publishers. So he's been vetted by the creativity gods, All right, we've included links to all these places in the show notes over at shulmanart.com forward slash 251. And don't forget to check out the inspiration place over on YouTube. Steve, do you have any last words for our listeners before we call this podcast complete?
0: Yes, I just wanna tell your listeners, you can cheat too. You could take AI and you can start using it in your art in amazing ways to allow you to do things you never did. Don't just dismiss it and say it's not art. It's just a tool. It's up to you how you use it.
1: I love that. It's legal cheating. Yes. Yes. Unless you're an English student in high school and it's for your AP paper, then it's not. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for being with me here today. I'll see you the same time, same place next week. Until then, stay inspired. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com.